All right, we're going through a study, uh, Landmarks of Life. It's kind of a topical study in the book of Proverbs. And I've uh, been looking at the three key words of the book of Proverbs, wisdom, knowledge, and uh, understanding. We're going to come to, to uh, look at the word understanding today. And um, that'll be our third key word. Proverbs 9.10 is, of course, the uh, passage or the key verse of our study. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And so uh, that's what we're going to look at as far as uh, the key word for today would be the word understanding. But before I get started, I'm going to ask for the Lord's blessing. Holy Father in heaven, we come to you, Lord, and we're so grateful, Father, for the wisdom that we have in our hands in your word. We thank you, Lord God, that we um, have that uh, privilege to study it out, to learn of it, uh, to collect information, to collect data from it. But Father in heaven, we also need the understanding to go along with it. We can't have the wisdom and the knowledge without the understanding. And the understanding needs the wisdom and the knowledge from your word. So, Lord, as we look at this word, I pray, Father, that you would open our our hearts and our minds to receive your truth. And I pray also, Father, for Lisa, who is a very faithful woman who uh, loves loves your word, loves your people. I pray, Lord God, as she goes to this visit, Father, that they would find uh, something that they could do for her and help her. I also pray, Lord, for Dina and and help her with her challenges that she faces. Uh, Please be with Carmen and uh, help her uh, through this time and give her heart great comfort and peace. And I also thank you, Father, for our visitor this morning. And I pray, Lord, that we uh, it would be a blessing to all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so, as we see here in Proverbs uh, 9.10 and other places in Proverbs... Uh, fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And fear of the Lord also includes this, this understanding. And as we went through James 3, 17 through 18, uh, we looked through the characteristics of what wisdom is all about. So we spent some weeks on that. Uh, we also considered uh, the word knowledge. We'd come, uh, hopefully, to understand that knowledge is more than just an accumulation of facts, you know, data from the Word of God. You know, there's a lot of people who can quote Scripture, but when it comes right down to living Scripture, you know, they're kind of, there's a, kind of a deficit there. So we know that knowledge is more than just the accumulation of data, but it's also taking what we know from God's wisdom and exercising it, putting it into our, into our lives, living by it. That's, that's the knowledge part. Uh, G- uh, Jesus said in John seven sixteen, he said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Then he says, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. So doctrine is just not there to fill your head up with facts. It's to be lived out in our lives. It's to be lived out in our lives. If we don't live out the truth, then all that information, all that doctrine, all that knowledge is really kind of vain, isn't it? It's fruitless. It really is fruitless. And what we want to be careful is, we want to be careful not to be like those folks that Paul wrote about in 2 Timothy, uh, where he said, um, you know, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And unfortunately, there's a lot of folks out there. They, there's a lot of learning, a lot of learning, but there's really no, no knowledge. So the Lord is the, he is the beginning and the end of everything. He's the source of life. He's the giver of wisdom. He is the one who provides us with the knowledge. And all of that needs to be converted into our life. Otherwise, you know, what, what use of it is? What use of, is it of that? And so he's given us his wisdom. 
He's given us that that privilege to study out what he says in his wisdom. Uh, that wisdom, you know, something else about wisdom. Wisdom is something that we can ask for, isn't it? Yeah, if it, we can ask for this wisdom. We can ask for God's wisdom. Anybody can think of the verse where that might be found? James 1 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and shall be given him. Now, I'm going to say something, and this is where uh, Ron's uh, heretical indicator might go off with alarms. But who was James talking to when he said that? It's not hard. He was talking to believers, wasn't he? Sure he was. That word men in James is uh, in italics. Which means that the King James Version translators were honest enough to let us know that particular word's not in there, but that was the sense, right? But if you, if you look at it in a, in a contextual way of the book... If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask about God. Who is he talking to? He's talking to believers. He's talking to you and I. He's talking to you and I. Sometimes these verses are used in a generic sense, and it makes it appear it applies to everybody. But not always so. Not only so. The wisdom that James is talking about is wisdom that... For those who know God, for those who fear God, for those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who he's talking to. And this obtaining of the wisdom also has a relational connection. You know, there's also a, a relational connection as far as this wisdom is concerned, as far as this knowledge is concerned. This is especially for those who fear God, for those who trust in Christ as their Savior. John 15, 15, Jesus says, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. Right? Sometimes the master doesn't always tell the servant what his plans are. He says here, Jesus is speaking, But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made made known unto you. Beloved, that's you and me. That's you and me. God has revealed his heart and mind to us through his word. So we're indeed a very privileged people, are we not? Yes, we are a very privileged people. The Apostle Paul also talks about this in 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 16. He says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Now again, who is Paul talking to? You and I. You and I. He says, Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. What does he mean by that? That means you look through this book, you compare Scripture with Scripture. You compare Scripture with Scripture. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Now who is he referring to when he talks about the natural man? Yeah, the person who's not saved, the person who doesn't have the Spirit in him. The lost man, the man who's still in the Adamic fallen nature. He says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 
But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So we are indeed a privileged, privileged people. The natural man, the one who still is in his Adamic fallen nature, he's not able to to understand. I mean, he can learn a lot about this. And if he puts a lot of this into practice, things will go well for him. Why? Because it's, it's good stuff. It's, it's the way God has designed life to run. But as far as any true understanding of what he's doing, he, he doesn't have that capability. But we who have the Spirit of Christ in us, that mind of Christ in us, we have that ability to understand God's Word. So what I'm saying is this. There's, and I don't mean to be harsh, there's really no excuse for us not understanding. Got it? Because I hear a lot, I just can't understand it. Well, it's not because you can't. There might be something there that's preventing you from understanding it. And we'll talk about that. So we've got wisdom we can profit from. We've got this knowledge. We've got it right here in Scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So there it is. But what about this understanding? We've got the wisdom, we've got the knowledge, but what about this understanding? What about the understanding in relation to this wisdom freely given to us and this knowledge that we have, you know, the wonderful privilege of studying it out? So that's what I want to talk about, understanding. Uh, The first mention of the word understanding, remember that's one of those Bible teaching principles, first mention. The first mention of the word understanding might kind of help. Now please understand, when we're talking about these things, remember what I said in the beginning? There's not a straight definition for this. I think that's where a lot of folks make the mistake. They try to put a straight definition to this. Do you remember when I was telling you about the way the Hebrew mind works? It looks at these things from a lot of different perspectives and different angles to give you a fuller understanding, a fuller meaning of all this. It's the same thing here with the word understanding. It's just not a straight line definition that we Gentile believers like, we Western culture folks like to put it. So there's a lot of different aspects. If you remember, I kind of compared it to looking at a diamond. If you look at a diamond and you move it around in the light, what do you see? All sorts of different colors, right? That's the way it is with this. So one of the colors, if you will, we can find here in Genesis 31, 3, verses uh, verses 3 through 5. And uh, this is dealing with a man who is going to help Moses put the tabernacle and the altar and all that stuff together. He says, And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. That's important. In wisdom and in understanding and knowledge. There's our three key words. In all manner of, here it is, workmanship. To devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and brass, and in cutting of stones, to set them, and in carving of timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. So we see here a man who has 
wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And on top of that, he has also what? The Spirit of God. And all of that combined gives this man the ability to devise cunning works. So what we're seeing here is a man who is skillful. He's able to take all of this knowledge, his, his knowledge of wood, his knowledge of stones, his knowledge of, what's the term, meteorology, the understanding of metals. Enhanced by the Spirit, he's, able, he's got this, this understanding, this skill to accomplish something. And this thing that he's accomplishing is, in short, God's will. Because it was God's will for Moses to set up this tabernacle and all the furniture so that the children of Israel would have a focal point of worship. So he had all this understanding to fulfill God's word. That's the understanding. Not only knowing what God's will was, or is, I don't know what the proper grammar is, but also the skill to fulfill that will. That's understanding. That's understanding. It's seeing God's will in his word and having the understanding of how to fulfill that word, how to fulfill that will. You see, God just doesn't dole out his wisdom so that we can prosper on the stock market. See, I think sometimes when people ask for wisdom, they might ask amiss. See, so when we ask for wisdom from God, is it in line with his will? That's the kind of wisdom that we need. Lord, give me the wisdom that's in line with your will. Because when you're asking for wisdom, you're what? You're kind of in the dark, you're kind of confused, you don't know which way to go. So you need for him to tell you which way to go. You need to know what his will is. And so when you're asking for wisdom and knowledge and understanding, it's it's what his will is in the matter. Not what you want, not what you desire, not what you think is best. Does that make sense? And so with that knowledge and with that wisdom, then he also provides you with the means, the ability to fulfill that will. That's understanding. That's understanding. And this understanding, like the other first two words of wisdom and knowledge, is relational. It's always relational. It always always pertains to our relationship with the Lord. When you're praying for wisdom, knowledge, understanding, it's always in relationship with the Lord. Your relationship with God and others. I think sometimes we forget that too. Another color, as we turn this gem around, can be seen in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. This is totally in line with the the purpose behind Proverbs. 
When the writer of Proverbs began this book, he says in Proverbs 1.4, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. So this word here, understanding, denotes to stand under something. Okay? To stand under something. Now when you stand under something, what does that indicate? Shelter. Shelter. If you're in a rainstorm, what do you do? You, you want to stand under something to keep you out of the rain. Right? Yeah, that's part of it. Uh, have you ever seen little chicks run underneath the wings of its mother hen? What are they doing? They're seeking shelter from danger, aren't they? Yeah. So you stand under something. There's also another term that it means. It means to stand under the counsel or the teaching of something or someone. And what Proverbs 3 5 says here is trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. <laughs> That's where a lot of us go wrong because we have a tendency to lean on our own understanding. And sometimes that understanding that we possess isn't always that stable, is it? I know it's true in my own life. I know it's true in my own life. We have his wisdom written for us. We can look into it and learn what his wisdom is, gain knowledge by that wisdom. But when it comes to to rubber meat into the road, are we leaning, are we standing under that wisdom or are we leaning on our own understanding that tends to move depending upon the circumstances and the situations? See that pulpit? Notice how it's up, up in the air. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that that is? These aren't trick questions. <laughs> I'm not trying to trip anybody up. Yes, ma'am. That's very good and very close. Very good. Yeah, there's a good reason why that is elevated. Nehemiah 8.3 through 5. Turn to Nehemiah 8.3 and 5. Turn to Nehemiah 8. I want you to see this. Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning with verse 3. If you're there, raise your hand. It's in the Old Testament. (laughs) Okay. Nehemiah 8, starting in verse 3. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto what? The book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood Matiah and Shema and Ananiah and Urijah and Hilkiah and Maaseah on his right hand and on his left, Padiah and Mishael and Malchiah 
and Hashem and Hashbaden na Zechariah and Meshulam. Boy, I'm glad I don't have names like that. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Stand under. Stand under. When we come to hear the preaching of the Word of God, we don't come to be entertained, do we? We shouldn't. Unfortunately, that's the attitude of a lot of people. We don't come because someone's eloquent. We come to stand under the preaching of the Word of God. For it is our shelter in the times of storm. It is our shelter in times of danger. It is our authority. It is our guide. That's why the pulpit is elevated. Nothing special about the pulpit. Nothing special about the man. But it's the word of God that we stand under. That's important. A preacher who will not preach from the Bible standing in the pulpit is exerting his own authority. Not the authority that comes from God's word. He's exhorting his own authority. A preacher like that believes he knows more about you and life than God does. And he takes it upon himself to preach yet another gospel. But a preacher who understands where his authority is, who understands the value of God's word, who understands that he's going to be held accountable for his faithful preaching of that word to his people... That's a preacher worth their salt. And a congregation ought to be glad for a preacher like that and should pray for a preacher like that. And a congregation that, under, that knows this is an understanding congregation. Because they know the value. And they know where the authority really is. And so they stand under that authority. Titus 1.9 says, Holding fast the faithful word as, as he hath been taught, that he may able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. Where do you think our preacher gets his doctrine from? There you go. From the word of God. From the word of God. He's also gotten it from faithful men who preached the word of God. Faithful men that go all the way back to the Apostle Paul and Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? That's a part of understanding, to stand under that authority. Job also gives us another aspect to this word understanding. In uh, Job 28.28, he says, Unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. And to depart from evil is understanding. You know, this is something that's very important. You cannot disassociate... The fear of the Lord from these three things. 
Okay? You cannot do that. The fear of the Lord is what? Esteem, respect, love. He says, to depart from evil is understanding. We read the same thing in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. Okay, here's another question, not meant to trip anybody up. When you think of the word evil, what do you think of? Anybody? Devil. Devil. Anybody? Okay, when you think of evil, you think of sin, right? You think of wickedness. You think of something really yucky. Right? Particularly a person or something like that. But the word evil, if you if you look it up, the word evil is a very broad word. Yes, it does address the devil. Yes, it does address uh, sin and wickedness. But a lot of times it also addresses the consequences of those things. Such as hurt, damage, um, suffering, misery. Those are also considered things that are evil. Now these are the consequences of the, of the devil, the consequences of sin, the consequences of wickedness. Evil also talks about you know the hurts and the pain. Broken relationships, broken homes, the loss of a loved one, anything that causes sadness or misery, anything like that, those also are considered evil things. Now, do you believe that we can cause someone else hurt and misery? and pain and grief in other words evil do you think that you have that ability to cause another person evil good I'm glad to see you shake your heads because we, we all do we all do our walk in this life is filled with relationships filled with relationships with God and with others I mean husbands, wives, brothers, sisters it don't matter it's filled with relationships And of those who are in these relationships, there are some who will attempt to lure you off of that path of light. In other words, to do you evil. To do you evil. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 10 he says my son if sinners entice thee consent thou not if they say come with us let us wait for blood let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit we shall find all precious substance we shall fill our houses with spoil cast in thy lot among us let us all have one purse does that sound like a good group of people to hang around with what is their intent towards others yeah, evil. Evil. A person of understanding would depart from that. They wouldn't become involved in that. He warns him. He says, My son, walk not thou in the way with them. 
Refrain thy foot from their path. Don't be wooed into their web. Get away from them. Now, when I was a young man, that's exactly the kind of crowd I hung around with. What about you guys? In fact, I was one of those folks that said, hey, come on. Come on. He writes here in verse 17 a very interesting little verse. He says, Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. That's an interesting verse. I used to watch programs on television, guys who live up in Alaska and stuff like that. When they go out and set their traps, they set those traps in such a way that animals don't see that the traps are there. They'll even sometimes spray it with something to hide their scent. Right? But if an animal smells the scent of the trapper or he sees the trapper set that trap, if the animal is an understanding animal, it's not going to mess with it, is it? But we human beings, that's the way we are. Sometimes we don't exercise the understanding when we're faced with certain circumstances. Satan is setting that trap and we step right in it. Sometimes even knowing better. But a person who has understanding will perceive the trap and flee from it. They can see beyond the empty promises of a good time. The so-called advantages of associating with individuals who have no restraint in life. They see it for what it is. You know, sometimes if you do that, you're going to be called a killjoy, aren't you? Or a stick in the mud. Or a wuss, I guess. I can remember that. I can remember after receiving Christ as my Savior and he started opening my eyes to some of the things I was involved in and my buddies wanted me to come and still do what we always did. I said, nope. No, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. I can remember when I was first married to Diane, I, I fell into that. And I went out with my buddies and leaving my little wife at home. And the Lord opened my eyes to that too and said, What are you doing? What are you doing? The eyes of understanding. Don't do that which is hurtful to others or damaging to the relationship or causing misery or sadness or pain. He says, depart from that. That's exactly what I was doing with my little wife. He says, get away from that. Stop that foolishness. Let's make it really simple. I like things simple because I'm a simple guy. Anything that proves contrary to the perfect law of God is evil. Wouldn't you agree to that? 
What about in our relationships? Romans 13.8 says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Proverbs says something very similar. He says, Every way of a man is is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the heart. He says, Do justice and judgment, for this is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. So a man or a woman of understanding will operate from the principle of what? Love. Because love worketh no ill to their brother or sister in Christ or any other person. Now, is that easy to do? No, it's not, is it? That's why we need Christ in us. No, it's not easy to do. Because let me tell you something, folks. Let me, let me clue you in on a little secret. People can be evil. They can be really stinky. They can do some things that are really nasty. Really nasty. Proverbs eleven twelve says, He that is void of wisdom despises his neighbor. That's a strong word, isn't it? Show me an individual who chooses to harbor hatred in their heart toward another person, and I'll show you a person who is void of understanding. That's a harsh word, but it's a true one. The word understanding, understanding, cures some, uh, cure, uh, cure, uh, cure, oh, cure, well, you can find it. <laughs> I don't know why I tripped over that word. 63 times in Proverbs. And as you look at it, there's a, there's a, there's a, a blessing attached to the understanding, and then there's a curse attached to the word understanding. More specifically, those, those who are void of understanding, those who, who, who don't exercise this understanding in regards to wisdom and knowledge. Uh, let me share some of them. Proverbs 7, 7, it says, and, be, I, and beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths, youths a young man void of understanding. Now, if you're familiar with chapter 7, this is the young man who's going to the, to the harlot's home for a good time. And this is, those who are without understanding are those who are given over to the pursuit of pleasure. Given over to the pursuit of pleasure. Proverbs tells us someone like that is void of understanding. Given over to the pursuit of having a good time. Given over to, to, to being a party-hardy uh, gal or a party-hardy guy. Usually they don't take into consideration the consequences of their actions. All they care about is having a good time. As long as they're having a good time, that's all that matters. Years and years ago, I went on a discipleship, uh, discipleship trip to Pensacola, Florida. 
And that's one of the hot spots come spring break. And I got a hold of a couple of their local newspapers, and, you, and this was about, I don't know, maybe a week later. Both of those newspapers were just chock full of reports of arrests, property damage, rape, drug and alcohol abuse, even a few murders, and some accidental deaths. There's there's this one lady who was a a young gal. She was uh, 20 years of age. She was up about 10 stories high in one of the more popular hotels, partying with her friends, and she was sitting on the railing of the balcony and just simply toppled off. Not considering the consequences. And that's true of anybody, of any age. When they live foolhardy, they live reckless, they they don't consider the consequences of their actions. This is somebody that Proverbs says is void of understanding. Proverbs 10.23 It is as sport to a fool to do mischief, but a man of understanding hath wisdom. The individual who fears the Lord will behave themselves wisely in that they'll consider the consequences of their words and their actions. But those who are void of wisdom, it's a sport. Right? There are some folks who actually enjoy causing mischief. They actually enjoy it. It doesn't matter how much misery they bring about. They just enjoy doing that kind of thing. But a person of understanding, he he considers the consequences and he weighs the cost. Proverbs 10.13 says, In the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. Another individual that Proverbs talks about who is void of understanding is uh, what I call the repeat offenders. (laughs) Those folks who just never seem to learn their lesson. They're, uh, they're doomed to repeat the consequences of their actions. They just don't seem to put two and two together. Albert Einstein said that uh, a sign of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. There's a lot of people who live their lives like that. Look at Proverbs 23. Turn to Proverbs 23. Here's a, here's a classic case of someone who is uh, void of understanding, someone who is living uh, in this way where where they're a repeat offender. They keep doing the same thing time and time again. Proverbs chapter 3, verses uh, 23, verses 30. They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. It says, At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Then I shall behold strange women, and thy heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. But look what it says here. When I awake, I will seek it yet again. This is someone who is void of understanding. They don't learn from their mistakes. 
Proverbs 27, 22 says, Though thou shouldst bray a fool in a, mor- in a mortar among wheat with a pestle, yet will not his foolishness depart from him. You know, there are some folks that just, it just seems like they're stuck in this cycle. And they can't seem to break from this cycle of self-destruction. No matter what kind of civil punishment, no matter what kind of good advice or counsel they receive, they just can't seem to break out of that cycle. That's why they need the Lord Jesus Christ. And even when you receive Christ, that cycle can be very difficult still to break. But someone who is a repeat offender, someone who keeps doing the same thing over and over again, that's someone who is void of understanding. Proverbs 19.25 says, Smite a scorner, and the simple will beware, and reprove one that hath understanding, and he will understand knowledge. So the individual who fears God and seeks after his wisdom and knowledge... They'll be characterized by a repentant attitude. Um, I don't know about you, but some of the hardest lessons I learned, I learned the hard way. (laughs) But those lessons stuck with me. Those lessons stuck with me. They left an indelible mark on me. Proverbs 3.11 says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as the father, the son in whom he delighteth. you think the Lord chastens you because he's a big meanie? No. It's because he loves you. Huh? Okay. That's being honest. No, he, he does it because he loves you. He's a good father. He loves you. Proverbs 12.11 says, Now no chasing for the present seemeth to be joyous. Right? No, but I, I don't like being whooped. But grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, what does it do? It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are, ex- are exercised thereby. So how does that come about? Simply you say, yes, Lord, you're right, I'm wrong. I need to change the way I'm thinking. I need to change the way I'm behaving. Those who are void of understanding, they never seem to get that. They never seem to get that. They never seem to come to that understanding. Because they're always leaning on what? Their own understanding. They're not submitting themselves to God's wisdom in the matter. They don't seem to learn the lesson. I'm going to tell you something, folks. This is no revelation. You guys know this. It's a lot better to repent than to repeat. It really is. It's a lot better to repent than to repeat. Another proverb, Proverbs 12:11, "He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding." Uh, you know, there was a day that I lived for Friday and Saturday night. I worked all week 
and spent what I earned in two days. As I mentioned earlier, even when I was first married, that's the way I lived my life. It was all about Friday night and Saturday night. I had a little baby I needed to feed, had a rent to pay. But that, for some reason, wasn't priority. It just simply wasn't priority. I was a lost man. And even after I received Christ as my Savior, that cycle was still there. Still there. But I had an advantage over my lost friends. I had Christ in me. I was reading his word. I was sitting under the preaching. And eventually, it clicked. What am I doing? What am I doing? And I started to understand. I started to understand. Proverbs 4.1 says, Hear ye children the instruction of a father, and to attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. You pray for the light bulb to go off. In your head, in your heart. So that you'll get it. That you'll get it. You know what? I'll give you a personal testimony. You know when it clicked to me? Is when my second son was born. About a year and a half, two years after I got saved. I went in that room to check on him and I was looking down at that little face and it was almost like somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, what are you doing? I said, yeah, you're right. What am I doing? Unfortunately, not everybody gets that aha moment. Praise God that I did. Not because there's anything special in me, but there is certainly special in the one who is in me. You know, a person that fears God and seeks God's wisdom from the knowledge found in God's word understands the true value of relationships that's a lesson I learn almost every day unlike those who are void of understanding those folks who do have understanding they don't treat people like some sort of commodity to be traded on the open market they don't treat people like there's something that as long as they benefit me then I'll still associate with them as long as I'm getting something out of this for myself 
then we'll be BFFs. Minus the last F. Someone who fears God and understands, understands the value of relationships, of the souls of men. Did you you know that Scripture compares the souls of men to jewels? Malachi 3.16, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. At the judgment seat of Christ, when the Lord passes out those rewards, it says in 1 Corinthians 3.12, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be rebuilt by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Those who have understanding understand the value of relationships. They understand the value of people. That's why Proverbs says in Proverbs 11.30, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Because that's the only treasure that's going to last. He understood the preciousness that life was. That's why he called those who win souls as wise. Because the wise are those who understand the value of other people. They understand the value of other people. And those who fear God, they possess this wisdom, they possess this knowledge, they apply this in this understanding of the value of other people. And also that's something else that's closely associated with this. Is this all there is right here? No, it's not, is it? Because there is a life yet to come, isn't there? Now let me ask you something. Are you going to be able to bring your 401k with you? No, the only thing that's going to be there are those jewels you invested in. Those jewels you invested in. And then finally, the last one I'm going to go on, that's all I have time for, is found in Proverbs 24. Verses 30 through 34, he says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles, had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man. So 
he looked at folks who are void of understanding, who pursued pleasure and entertainment as their priority in life. We look at the repeat offenders who don't seem to learn, never grow in grace and knowledge. We looked at those folks who are irresponsible, who held relationships in a devalued sense believing themselves not be indebted to any man including God and now we see folks that I just recently mentioned folks who are void of understanding folks who are idle folks who don't have a eternal perspective they don't have an eternal perspective it's kind of like a lot of folks today who don't plan for retirement they work and spend, work and spend, work and spend, but yet they have, they take no consideration for that day that's coming when they can no longer work and they still need to spend. You know, they never set aside for the future. Well, there are some believers who live their lives without an internal perspective. They don't take in consideration living a life with eternity in, in view. This man walked by and he saw this slothful man's vineyard and field in ruin. What did Jesus say in verse uh, John chapter 4? He says, look onto the fields, for they're already ripe unto harvest. Are you laboring in the field or just laboring? Thorns and nettles, no fruit. Only evidence of the uh, of the of the uh, curse. This tells to me about somebody who's living only for themselves, living a carnal life, no eternal perspective about it at all. Broken down walls, no discipline in the spirit, not allowing the spirit of God to instruct them and teach them. Sleep, slumber, folding of the hands—that's being idle, dull. Complacent, poverty and travail and want. You know, there's also folks that uh, Paul talks about there in 1 Corinthians 3 that, yeah, they'll be there, but they'll have the smell of smoke. Are these hard words? They are to me. (laughs) I'm going, oh, woe is me. So there's your key words, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Wisdom is found in God's word. Knowledge is a study of God's word. Applying that to daily life. And understanding is knowing how all of this relates in your relationships with God and others. Okay? So next week I'm going to talk about, okay, how in the world do I get this? What do I need to do in order to obtain wisdom, knowledge, and understanding? Okay? And so that will be it for today. So let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word. It, um, I don't know about these folks, but to me sometimes it's convicting, sometimes it's challenging, sometimes it's, oh, woe is me. But at the same time, it's encouraging. It uh, gets me back on that right path. Path, that right way of thinking it, it, it 
realigns my perspective, taking my eyes off of this old world and, and looking onto, the, onto eternity, onto our real home again. So, Father in heaven, I pray that you would grant us wisdom. I pray, Father in heaven, that you would help us in our studies as we gain knowledge. But also, Lord God, open up our understanding so that we might see how it applies and how we might skillfully use this in the lives of others. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.